0: Coming up on Airline Voice Radio.
1: There is always value in any kind of business or airline. When you want to transform to something new, it's always better to build on what you already have and what you already know, rather than, you know, completely cutting something out and starting completely new.
0: From Excelia, this is the Airline Voice Radio podcast, where we talk about the future of airline commerce.
2: Welcome back to Airline Voice Radio and the Reaching New Heights podcast series. It's Fergal here again from the Solutions Marketing team at Excelia. In this series, Jim Davidson talks to airline leaders about where they are on their journey to distribution freedom and retailing excellence. In this episode, we're delighted to be joined by Jiri Marek, CEO of Air Serbia. This year, Air Serbia is celebrating its 95 years in operation, making it the world's eighth oldest airline you'll be seeing a special emblem on its planes to commemorate this major anniversary. Giri himself is a 20-year veteran of the airline industry, having been an important part of Malev Hungarian Airlines, Czech Airlines, LOT Polish Airlines and Alitalia. In January this year, he took on the CEO role in Air Serbia. Now, Giri has debated throughout his career whether revolution is better than evolution, and you'll have to hear what he decided in the podcast. And now over to Jim. And jury. this podcast was recorded in June two thousand twenty two.
0: Thank you for joining us. It's really good to have uh, airline CEO on and really uh, get perspective. And we're going to talk about what's ahead. And I think first thing that's ahead, I understand Air Serbia has a big birthday coming up. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, I would say it's, uh, we are more excited. We will be celebrating uh, 95 years uh, still in operation. It's uh, eight oldest airline still in operation globally. If we start with our predecessor, Aeroput and going through uh, Yacht Yugoslavian Airlines and Airways and wish uh, big rebranding in 2017 uh, together with the Yacht Airways and started as Air Serbia. So we have the big uh, event coming up and we are looking definitely forward now I, I'm assuming because
0: I, I know you, uh, you haven't been there for 95 years. So uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you and and kind of your tenure uh, in the industry and, and then ultimately um, how you ended up at Air Serbia. And then we'll get into some of kind of your directional plans for the airline going forward. But let's start with you.
1: Well, definitely I cannot compare my, uh, let's say, career uh, with 95 years anniversary of Air Serbia. So I'm much younger in the aviation, over 20 years, and I was circulating mostly uh, within the Europe between different airlines on the senior roles. Um, I started uh, my career in Malay-Hungarian Airlines and through the Czech Airlines, uh, moving to Zulot Polish and then Alitalia, and from Alitalia, I moved three years ago to Air Serbia. So basically there where I am, and I took up on the CEO position in January this year and started a new challenge uh, going forward
0: uh, Was there a predominant area and you've, you've been in a lot of different areas of airlines is there one in particular that catapulted your career I know you touch it all
1: Look, I was mostly always a commercial guy, but uh, I was always very much interested in terms of distribution, ancillary revenue, we, during Alitalia times we call it smart revenue. And basically, in overall, like uh, distribution is something which definitely need to change. And I was always, let's say, uh, questioning through my career, should we go with the revolution or just evolution of this area? And you picked? Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, I would say when I was younger, I was more inclining to revolution. But then, when you know, when you get mature as a person and you get deeper knowledge, then I think the evolution is the right choice.
0: Yeah, like you, Jerry. I I find that if you mix a little bit of revolution in with your evolution, it makes things more exciting, and you can kind of advance your thinking a little bit faster in that. So. Well no, definitely, uh, that's I mean, very... in,
1: a, in a way, fast evolution can be called revolution, right It's just a matter of the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly It's all about time <laughs> so, so tell me some of the things that, that you're doing
0: as, as you look into kind of halfway in 2022 you know I understand your passenger traffic is coming back and you're feeling pretty good about that. Tell me some of the things that you've had to make adjustments to as you come out into this kind of new world.
1: Look, I, th- I think being smaller, let's say, regional carrier, uh, we took quite uh, uh, important, let's say, uh, steps already during the COVID during those two years. Now looking back, those two years, like, like feel like they never been here. Like it disappeared. It was so so fast in terms of the feeling, and we did a lot of preparation to be able uh, to address the market much more flexibly, faster, and agile way. So apparently nowadays, when uh, the demand came really uh, quickly back, which uh, nobody was expecting and forecasting that I think we are a bit better positioned than uh, some of the other carriers when you uh, these days open the newspaper or go uh, online, you always see like, you know, shortage of the stuff, house on the airports uh, flight cancel and so on and yes, we are facing also certain, let's say, problems, but I think we are much uh, better prepared for that and not in that extent what you recently see. So I would say the main, let's say, what we are facing forward is Uh, What COVID changed is uh, that uh, we have to be much more flexible and much more faster on uh, reaction on the opportunities. It's not anymore about, like, winter, summer season. Uh, Now, majority of the demand is really happening last minute. That's what's... uh, change in terms of the customer, let's say, behavior and different market segments behave differently. But through all this, I think the main things uh, you can see that uh, leisure traffic is very strong and it's coming back and VFR traffic stays stable. The one which is quite still questionable is uh, business traffic. So we also completely redesign our network. Uh, we announced uh, many new destinations during this year, which are predominantly VFR driven and uh, leisure driven.
0: Yeah, and I think your comment about the last-minute demand um, pre-COVID, it was somewhat predictable and counted on, and we knew the routes, and we knew the passengers, and we knew their behaviors. Right now, I think, as I talk to airline executives around the world, um, they're echoing what you're saying, and that we don't necessarily always know where the demand is coming from and we have to have a structure whether it's a route structure destination structure to respond to that what were some of the changes that you know the traditional forecasting didn't work and what are some of the things that you had to resort to kind of respond to some of that last minute demand and uh, and reacting to that
1: so i would say we had to adapt and change the internal processes and also some of the let's say forecasting modeling, especially in the revenue management, where you cannot simply rely on the historical data because your capacity changes year on year are dramatic. And if you will be comparing also to 2019, that market was totally different and changed completely. So your booking window basically narrowed down to last 10, 8 days, when more than 80% of the demand is really happening in last eight days. And on some of the routes, is even last three days. So basically, you move immediately from kind of mid-term, long-term planning to the short-term planning. So majority of the things, we are having the daily review of the booking developments on different routes and adjusting the capacity accordingly. Obviously, that you can do if you are small and able to react fast. If you are a bit bigger airline, I think it's much more challenging. And in terms of the forecasting, we had to simplify also our, let's say, fare structures, RBD structures, during the COVID, we completely eliminated the YQ surcharges and and then with the simple, everything is included uh, in a fair component because otherwise, you know, uh, if you have a big disproportion between the fare and plus, let's say, 30-40% YQ surcharge, you are managing those things uh, a bit differently, mm-hmm. they behaving mm-hmm. differently. So basically, we including the YQ back uh, in a fair yeah. and managing uh, on the fare. We implemented the dynamic availability, so to also addressing, um, you know, the quick changes on more, Uh, let's say, time manner rather than, you know, reviewing the historical data with, let's say, one day delay of adjusting the fare. And we are continue to also work on some of of the pilots uh, using some, let's say, machine learning technologies uh, to implement even much more uh, personalized pricing.
0: Wow. Yeah. I think your point is the ability to adjust that. Is not something that we've actually experienced in the airline. There's actually not a playbook um, that talks about essentially instant demand and changing demand um, very quickly. And it sounds like you did a number of, of of preparations during some of the the downtime that actually enabled you to to kind of have that structure in place to respond quickly. Uh, is there anything that, as you look at airlines, you know, around the world and how people are responding to it? Is there any? kind of one or two key learnings that, that might be helpful for people that are listening to this uh, podcast?
1: Look, look. I think, I mean, uh, we are all more or less all airlines are in the same business, right? So either you can do the business to be successful in a lower cost or to do something better or smarter than the others. And I think the airline industry learned pretty quickly that the best practice sharing is one of the key, uh, let's say, parameters of the success as well, so if somebody can master one area, the others can easily learn from. I think where we are all struggling actually is that despite many airlines learn to be flexible and fast adapting to the demand changes uh, in terms of the network and commercials, uh, the operationally we are still a bit more conservative as an as industry. Um, you know, we are operating in many, many areas, in let's say, monopole infrastructure. Um, we have the supply chain, which is quite uh, limited. And, you know, these kind of supply chain and infrastructure constraint they are a bit less flexible in terms of the adaptation to the fast-changing uh, environment on the mm-hmm. demand. And that's basically what you see now is this tough shortage going through the predominantly Europe, but I think it's in uh, more areas of the of the world as well. And basically, in many ways, it's forecasted that to, to reach back to some, let's say, proper stuffing, it will take between 12 to 18 months. But the question is, in 12 and 18 months, are we having another global right. wave of some mm-hmm. pandemic or something, and we should, again, adjust uh, the stuffing. So so I think that during pandemic, we learn to adjust, let's say, commercially and in terms of the product and proposition to the customers. But I think uh, we need to put a bit more effort all of us, not only on our own operational, let's say, readiness, but also all the other, let's say, parts of the value chain, which we are relying on.
0: Jerry, one of the things that, that obviously you point out here, and, and it's frankly, it's not uh, just to the airline industry applicability, is the, is the supply chain. Is that many industries are are facing challenges that they didn't expect from supply chains, and you know even even our um, when you look at a technology company like Accelia, um, you know the ability to procure the necessary hardware, uh, even laptops for our employees. Um, everything that you expected was just something you would continue to count on is now something you have to take advantage of, and I think that's that's your point is that. While you can you kind of look at the front end of your business around, okay, here's the customer, here's the demand, here's the commercial application the The ramifications to the back end or the operations is probably not fully known yet is that Is that generally kind of what you're experiencing or you see experiencing in the industry
1: I mean definitely I mean that's exactly uh, you hit the point uh, and everything is connected. It's not only like end end to end circle within the airline or within the aviation industry. I mean, the impact of, for example, on the supply chain in terms of the logistic, Um it's related also to you and delivery of the spare parts and, you know, other things also... Let's say the different, for example, if we touch on the IT suppliers. Different of your IT suppliers are in different parts of the world with different, let's say, reaction time and measures to the COVID in terms of the working from home or reduced working time. So each of the IT suppliers basically uh, implemented the different methods how to address your needs. And some of them still, you know, are... are close on very reduced, so you need to adapt to that as well and it 's just showing that aviation is not only you know uh, part of the global uh, let 's say global market in terms of the transporting the passenger but it 's basically the part of the whole global let 's say economy and everything is uh, extremely connected
0: yeah and, and you know i 've always been a, a, a true believer that the airline industry is 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 glue when it comes to the global economy. And I think this, you're right, the supply chain that's connected to our industry is, uh, is very interesting and getting a lot of view right now. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is kind of you mentioned it, working from home. And I don't know where you guys are, but, but generally, how is that adjusted um, or is that impacting Air Serbia? You, I mean, obviously, you have employees um, scattered throughout. Um, are you a full work at home or hybrid or full at the office?
1: We, we never really had the full, let's say, uh, closure because when, when the COVID hit first time and we, uh, we have to stop uh, commercial, let's say, schedule operation. We basically just transform ourselves and, you know, transform the supply chain, uh, like for the medical. Uh, we had a lot of repatriation mm-hmm. flights, So so we continue to operate as the airline. We put more for also, let's say, uh, on the maintenance, uh, let's say, uh, fleet renewal, um, digitalization, and some other projects which we couldn't really uh, put uh, sufficient resources when we've been in a full operation. Mm. We just speed those projects up during the COVID. So we had to partially, let's say, uh, working from home, but it was only very short, I would say, up to three yeah. months. And then Serbia as a country took a quite, let's say, quick reaction on the COVID in terms of the, the measures, vaccination uh, and penetration went very high. So here's a live return relatively very quickly uh, to some new normality. Yeah we call this the new
0: normal and we keep thinking i'm not sure we, we believe that yet that we think there is eventually going to be a snapback what's what's your crystal ball tell you are are we in a situation that um has got more permanence to this kind of view of the world um or do you think we'll snap back um you know r- very rapidly
1: look i think it's it's a very interesting questions and you can have different views on that but i think that uh Whoever tried to call something new normality is basically that you are looking for some stability. Uh, that's right. what you mean when new normal. But I think it's better maybe to look it on that this is not anymore new normal or st- stable, let's say, environment. It's better to look that this will continue to be the volatile uh, and dynamic changed environment. And it's better rather to accept that fact and see how quickly you can adapt to the changes and be flexible rather than hoping that tomorrow finally we have the new normal yeah. <laughs> and be, be shocked two, three days later that, oops, it's not anymore new normal, we have again something. So I think that the whole speed of life uh, in last, let's say, decades became so, um, let's say, dramatic and volatile that a lot of these things which are happening, nobody ever could forecast it. And I think that now trying to stick some Uh, light at the end of the tunnel that from tomorrow we are returning to some uh, old, let's say, business models or or the new normal. I think it's better still just, you know, to accept uh, what is it and just, you know, don't spend too much time on the past or dreaming about the future because you are losing the time of the present.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you, you, uh, have used this phrase, uh, Jerry, value evolution. And, And I think that has Well, from what you talk about, it's kind of helped you see the vision in terms of of where you want to take your airline. Can you talk a little bit about value evolution as you see it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, let's say it's going, I started to use these terms, uh, I would say, maybe 10 years ago. And that was, as I mentioned, when I was a bit younger and I was looking on the distribution environment a bit more, let's say, radical way and uh when you really start to go deeply in 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 the topic and and you're trying to really quickly extract some new revenue streams, especially in answer revenue, uh you very quickly realize as we also touched during this uh uh let's say podcast that nothing is in isolation; we are all connected into some environment, so I very quickly realize that if we want to achieve you cannot achieve anything new by. Uh, destroying the value, basically. That uh, that's why I move from revolution more to the evolution. Yeah. And there is always value uh, in in any kind of business or airline when you want to transform to something new. It's always better to build uh, on what you already have and what you already know, rather than you know, completely cutting something out and starting completely new, uh, because you need to. Let's say convince the teams uh, being behind those ideas to support this idea, because otherwise, if you if you don't go that way, it's just better, you know, to go and start some new airline on, yeah. on, on the on the uh, let's say completely green field rather than trying to transform yeah. something. And you know, when I realized that, and we we started to also involve different suppliers to help us to build this value, um, we always succeeded um, on that journey.
0: Yeah, it's not just throwing out everything and, and starting anew. Let's talk a little bit about the role that you believe technology plays in the airlines right now is you know historically, and I've been in this industry for a long time, longer, <laughs> not 95 years, but, but a long enough time that, that historically, um, the airlines have relied or had to rely on a lot of technologies that wasn't necessarily built for things like retailing and modernization. Going forward, how do you see technology and the investment that airlines uh, will be making in technology?
1: I think this is uh, very interesting. In a way that obviously this question and the answer will play a totally different role depending in which airline you are sitting. If you are in some, let's say, startup and or the low coster, or if you are smaller airline or bigger airline, but but in principle the technology is supposed to help and support your business to grow it and make things, let's say, easier. However. The problem we are facing still in, in majority of the airline is that the technology is rather limiting us mm. uh, in, in certain things which we will not like to do. And the main constraint I see currently is that in many of the areas we already have been able to found, let's say, the suppliers or to develop, let's say, certain pilots program where certain pieces of the business you already can master using the technology, especially, mm-hmm. let's say, in terms of the uh, e-commerce, let's say, ancillary revenue, revenue management system, and so on. Where we are still missing, especially the smaller airline, something which will start to create the technological bridges between the different departments of the airline and different areas where still many of those technology, despite even they are being from the same providers, they are not really communicating together properly enough to offer you the end-to-end view of the whole cycle. And there, what I see is the biggest, let's say, constraint forward that, you know, whenever you implement something new, let's say, new payment gateway, alternative form of payments, uh, new, let's say, booking uh, engine on your web, uh, new mobile right. app. The, the 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 biggest, let's say, struggle is how you create the internal, let's say, connection and patch, Uh uh, that these things communicate properly together and actually answering back to the basics that the technology is here to simplify your business, make it more effective and uh, help you to grow. And that's where a lot of airlines I see currently, they are investing heavily to answer these uh, questions and I rather see that many of them are rather creating more complexity than actually more simplicity.
0: Our earlier conversation, you talked about the need to be in a nimble and and be able to react. And and if we have got technologies that that generally um, limit us to some siloization within the airline, I think that's uh, that's something that certainly I'm very interested in. Is is the the leader of a technology company that that we have to take a relook at at how we deliver technology. And and really, you have to you have to take it from this is not just a bespoke product this is a this is a technology that has to span the the kind of the influence across all connected systems and i think that's a different way that technology has to be looked at it's 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 not just one department buying a piece of of software you know the rm system has to understand um, ancillaries. Uh, the settlement system has to understand how we settle dynamic prices. And so there's a lot more questions I think, that have to be asked as we evolve this technology. So I think you're right and and that's music to my ears. Um, and part of what uh, my message to you and other airlines is that, what airlines have in place today uh, it may be a solid foundation but i do think as you say we have to get to how we start looking at things from end to end and that will really open up the ability to be much more creative and customer centric so um i want to thank you very much for joining this episode it's been a real pleasure talking to you jerry thank you so much for spending time with us today
1: thank you for your time as well and for interesting question and definitely i hope to Uh, come across you on uh, some of the conferences finally in person and we can have this continuous chat on the technology development.
0: Absolutely. Jerry, thank you so much.
1: Thanks everyone.
2: You've been listening to episode 13 of Airline Voice Radio, produced by myself, Fergal O'Connell, Kevin O'Shaughnessy and the team here at Excelia. It featured an edited interview with Jerry Merrick. Recorded in june 2022. To learn more about what we do here at Excelia, check out the show notes or visit us on Excelia.com. If you like what you've heard, share with a friend and send us your feedback to podcast at Excelia.com. Airline Voice Radio is available on your favorite podcast player, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So see you next time for more Reaching New Heights episodes.